I mean, I, I quoted Calvin earlier, but he said something about, you know, where Scripture speaks, we should listen, and where Scripture doesn't speak, we should basically shut up. Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni. All right. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing okay. A little bit tired towards the end of the week here, but uh, yeah, pretty good. How about you? I'm doing well, so uh, that hard to believe, you know, summer's almost over. I knew that in your neck of the woods, school started up again already, right? Yes, we're in our, not third full week, but in our third week of school. But uh, how about up there? Does it start after Labor Day? Yeah, so it is like second week of September. So, yeah, it's one of the latest. It was pushed when we moved here. It was earlier, but then they pushed it uh, for Ocean City, Maryland's sake, from what I understand, so. Okay. I know in neighboring South Carolina, there are laws about when, because they do start later, uh, but because Myrtle Beach and some of the stuff like that, um, there's a law because they need the, the teenage help. And so um, there you have it. That they do. So anyway, but, uh, you know, uh, with uh, school starting up again, you know, it's uh, I really wrapping up the end of the summer, more time indoors. And uh, we used to be going to the beach, but I'm sure we're coming to the time where we might be going to the art gallery or something like that. Do you ever go to an art gallery, Ben? I have been. It's been a while, though. Okay, so I can tell you do like pictures because normally we do this out video and right behind Ben's head there's a picture of Martin Luther and it says nailed it on there. So. <laughs> it's true and I have a lot of a big art gallery that you can't see of all my kids artwork beside uh-huh. me. So now, now of any of that artwork, do you ever bow down and worship it? I've not been tempted to do that yet. Okay, um, good enough. I, I do know people that use icons in worship, but I'm not one of them. That's good to know. So, Well, we're going to be talking today about pictures uh, in, in a way that is a little different than pictures of Martin Luther or pictures from our kids. Uh, we're going to talk about actually images of Jesus today, which just seems very obscure in some ways. Uh, but I think this is something that we really, as families and as children and youth ministry leaders, really need to think about. Would you agree with that, Ben? I do. I think, I mean, it may seem like a kind of a out there kind of thing, but it is important. And this is some area where we have some disagreement. And so in keeping with our culture, we're going to scream and yell at each other and tell each other, you know, how stupid and ungodly the other one is for our views, right? Exactly. So, well, and I do want to encourage you listeners, you know, if you guys are listening to this, uh, listen to, we did a podcast on theological disagreement, on theological triage, which what uh, Al Mohler calls it. And I encourage you to listen to that uh, beforehand because a lot of the disagreement we're going to have today is going to be on matters that are not remotely matters of church disunity. You know, these are not essential issues, but they're things that we should think about because, uh, you know, they're things that the Bible seems to touch on in some way, shape, or form. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Unless your church, uh, I guess, I mean, this is getting second or third tier, but uh, have you ever heard of the church Touchdown Jesus in Ohio? I have not. Okay, so 
Uh, it's on, I think it's I-75 uh, north of Cincinnati. There's this church that sort of looks like a casino um, <laughs> off the top, but then they have this huge statue in this little man-made pond out in front of the church that's facing the interstate. And this big statue of Jesus with his hands like this, like a, a, a you know, not an umpire, but the the referee uh, in football would do the the symbol they do when someone scored a touchdown. And so, anyway, it caught on fire several years ago. And the statue is not made out of stone; it's like this metal structure, and then they stuccoed over it or something. But Jesus did catch on fire. But you know, if your church was gonna put one of those up, put that inside the building, that may cause a problem for your conscience. But um, so you know, it, just if you just Google touchdown Jesus, you will see a picture of him. We know. used to drive past it going to. Tiffany's parents' house. Good to know. So, well, uh, I want to ask you then, Ben, uh, what does Jesus actually look like? Uh, and uh, what does he tend to look like in the corny paintings that are made for kids? Well, in the end, I'm not exactly sure what Jesus looked like. I'm going to guess that he has dark complexion uh, and black hair, probably, as a beard. And probably has brown eyes. But if you look at Revelation, it does talk about uh, John saw him and his hair was white like wool and his eyes were like fiery flames and his face was shining like the sun at full strength. And he fell down like a dead man when he saw Jesus. Um, so, I mean, I could understand why. So, but often I think what we get is Jesus, you know, in cartoony kind of things. Um, often he's kind of a white Jesus. Um, and... Not real close to probably what a, a you know first century uh, Palestinian kind of guy would look like, and the ethnicity there. So I don't know anything to add to that. Uh, those are some good points. You know, the revelation imagery is so fan, uh, fascinating. You know, but I, I definitely would think that's not how he appeared in his uh, first coming. As uh, I, you know, as is depicted in Revelation, if he had appeared like that, you know, during the go- time of the Gospels, I, I kind of don't think any Roman would put a guy like that on the cross. I kind of think they would run. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, I'm not good. But what we knew the most clearly about him is that basically he just didn't stand out. The Bible tells us, you know, he mm-hmm. was, you know, he, he looked very ordinary for his time, which mm-hmm. would fit with, you know, Middle Eastern man of the time. So uh, the, and what, it's just fascinating, too, because the New Testament really gives scandalously few details, as some Christians have really highlighted. A lot of religious figures uh, that of religions at the time give a lot more details about what they look like. And the New Testament just really seems to intentionally avoid it. Uh, but yeah, but he, I would agree with you that, you know, he definitely is depicted in artwork as, you know, this white guy specifically. I mean, he looks very Swedish, you know, uh, that he's probably <laughs> going to open up an Ikea and <laughs> kind of hip. Yeah. Very hippie-ish, you know, so mm-hmm. and live in a commune and, you know, give you a peace sign, I'm sure. But, uh, mm-hmm. that, that tends to be what he looks like. So. It does interest me a lot, the history of that, by the way. And uh, there's a lot of uh, anti-Semitism and how Jesus and the devil are portrayed. But we'll get into that. <laughs> so Anyway, so why don't we know much about Jesus' physical appearance, Ben? Well, I mean, you kind of already alluded to it, but the Bible or any other sources really tell us. And uh, I heard Mark Dever say this once. Um, 
he said that Jesus didn't teach the apostles to draw, um, but he did teach them, just not that skill. And so the, the point is not his appearance in the New Testament's presentation of him. I mean, you, you mentioned how it was just kind of ordinary. Isaiah 53, you know, there was nothing beautiful about him to draw us to him. In fact, when he's being crucified, it was appalling. Um, but his character and his actions, um, are that is what's highlighted. And the call to have faith in his person and his word, his work, is what the emphasis is. It's not beholding, you know, how physically attractive or imposing or whatever else he was. Yeah, so... Yeah, and I, I think I'll add it, it really didn't matter as part of why, you know, the Bible, and it's very clear that, you know, it includes, includes details that matter. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, what, uh, the, what, what, Moses's favorite kind of fish was. <laughs> uh, and so Jesus' physical appearance really wasn't something that was as core to his, who he is. Uh, and, but and I think a lot of ways too, the lack of physical description, he kind of makes him the everyman new Adam, you know, that uh, he's meant to be. And that kind of way, almost like the Psalms are often very vague so that it can relate to all of life circumstances. I think the lack of detail is meant to be so that, you know, Jesus is the everyman in that kind of way. So, uh, but, and I think lastly, uh, we, I don't think we have it because if we did have his appearance, I think we might worship the appearance of, of how he looked, you know, we might exalt it in a really unhealthy way. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. Now have Christians always made images of Jesus? Um, at least not on a widespread kind of way. Uh, I, I read that the use of icons or pictures of Jesus and, and other saints and this kind of stuff uh, became widespread in the 5th century, so in the 400s. Uh, but the use of symbols themselves, whether it was a cross or a fish or a lamb, that, that was early on. I mean, you can see that in the catacombs. Um, as early as 300 or 305, there was the Council of Elvira uh, in Spain, which Calvin quoted it, and it said, what is reverenced is not to be depicted upon walls. And so there was a clear, like, you don't do this now. That obviously did not take a foot um, in the years to come. But uh, no, it was not the, the, the practice always of doing that. Yeah, I would. it was essentially, I mean, depictions of Jesus, it is fascinating to me. It's essentially non-existent for the first 200 years after he rose in that. And even in the you know, first few hundred years after that, I mean, it was almost entirely among heretical groups. Uh, and well, and that, the, there was the, I forget who, the guy's name, but it was like the first image of Jesus was a mocking one of the donkey on yeah. a cross. It was like a graffiti. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm forgetting, uh, yeah, who it was again as well, but I know I've seen the image as well. So, uh, but yeah, and even, like, I mean, the reformers staunchly opposed it as well, looking at church history. I mean, like, you know, the reformers debated a lot of things. And it's interesting. I've heard people say, you know, that rejection of images was its wingly thing, but no, virtually all of the reformers staunchly rejected it for quite a long time in the Reformation, uh, for the, you know, especially the first generation of them. Uh, and, uh, and even, you know, we mentioned the ichthus, you know, the, the Jesus fish thing, uh, which it's so weird when you see the Darwin fish, but <laughs> the, uh, ichthus, I mean, it was really, 
Uh, some historians tend to think it was actually primarily given not just to, you know, it's almost portrayed as like the secret code, which, you know, in some sense, it was a way for them to communicate between one another. Uh, but some historians think that it was actually a way for them to kind of give uh, a title of Jesus while avoiding giving any kind of physical like presentation of Jesus, you know, that there was theology behind using the Ichthus in that kind of way um, that, uh, you know, and what's interesting, even within that, when the images did appear, uh, for nearly a thousand years from when images started appearing in the West, they tended to be extremely varied. I mean, one of the things, for example, was, you know, the, the image of Jesus with a beard, uh, was not a, you know, with a long beard, really, was not part of his image for a long time. And, the, and there was a lot of debate about that. So it's not a consistent thing apart from the East. Eastern churches very quickly put images alongside the Bible and they kind of came to a consistent image of Jesus. But now it's almost become universal. I mean, now nearly every group of Christians, even Presbyterians, tend to be completely fine, uh, totally with images of Jesus. Uh, and actually, for me, even my thoughts on this only really came from reading some pushback that uh, that uh, J.A. Packer gave against that. Hmm. Now. In light of the history of it, though, uh, what biblical or theological insights are at stake in depictions of Jesus? Well, first, you could represent him falsely. I mean, since we don't actually know what he looked like, even if you got his complexion right, you don't know what his face appeared like. Um, but beyond that, I think there's the potential risk of idolatry because um, you're either worshiping you have this notion of what he looks like and you begin to worship that um, or the actual picture itself or the statue or, or whatever it is. Um, and so it can become a God that's ultimately made in our own image. And so to me, those rise to the top as the biggest risk when you start making depictions of Jesus. Yeah. What else do you think? Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned uh, idolatry in this. And, and it's interesting because uh, Irenaeus and Calvin were some historical figures that had some pretty strong opinions. And Irenaeus is quite an early church leader. Uh, but Irenaeus wrote about this a lot with the depictions of Jesus. And he, he suggested that, you know, this is nothing less than idolatry, rank idolatry, uh, having depictions of Jesus. And I, I disagree with the, you know, extent to which he goes. I think he definitely can be a little divisive with this. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that there are facts you know, uh, historically, people have often used the second commandment uh, as forbidding not only false gods, but really depictions of the holy. Because it says in Deuteronomy 5, 8, this is not just, second commandment is not uh, just about false gods. It says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in water under the earth. You shall not bow to them or serve them, for I am the Lord your God and a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Uh, and so that's often been used. And I think there's good reasons. I mean, I 
we have to reckon with this. Uh, and they, I, Exodus 32, the golden calf, you know, oh, the golden calf just tends to be presented as like they were, you know, when Moses went up in the mountain, they started worshiping the calf instead. Uh, but the text seems to imply that actually they made this calf as a representation of the God that uh, saved them in the Exodus. And, uh, you know, and that's what Moses rejects. Moses and God ultimately rejects us to the point that he makes the melt it and swallow this depiction of God uh, there. And uh, and the uh, Jewish rabbis used that that kind of way for a long time. I mean, this was a consistent Jewish thing that you don't make those kind of depictions of God. Even you know, you look in the temple, people often cite the temple. There's depictions of heavenly things in the temple, ironically, which makes this more difficult. Uh, but even depictions on the temple were often vague and symbolic. Uh, and But I think think we can say that these were okay to be done because they were specifically ordered by God. And not just ordered by God, but God gave exactly how they were to appear in the temple in a way that he just doesn't give us exactly how Jesus appeared. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good look at what Scripture says. So. Anyway, now, uh, how have evils like racism impacted our depictions of Jesus? Uh, And with that question, is it okay to have a white or a black Jesus? (laughs) So have you ever seen the show Good Times? I think it was from like back in the 70s. I know of the show, but I've not seen it. Okay, so I used to watch it. It was on the TV on the afternoons uh, when I was a kid, and so I remember watching it. And uh, the oldest son in the family, his name is JJ, and he is a painter. And so one time he's been reading Revelation, and so he paints this portrait of Jesus. And you know, it's reading his hair was like wool and this kind of stuff. And so he's like, oh, he must have been black. And so he paints this black Jesus. And um, but his mom takes issue with that initially, but. Um, I think that, yes, that there's foolishness and hatred uh, that have come from those kind of things and portraying. I mean, there has been, unfortunately, anti-Semitism perpetuated by Christians as well as people outside the church. And you get these – there's this classic picture of Jesus. I don't know who originally painted it, but it's one that probably almost everyone has seen where Jesus has got like sandy blonde hair or, or very light brown, very fair complected. Uh, we have it – somewhere in the facilities here, at least one of them, we have 120,000 square feet. Um, and so I, I've seen it in at least one or two rooms, but um, y- you have that kind of thing. And it's like, no, he was a Middle Eastern Jewish guy. That, that's not what they looked like. Um, and so obviously either that was pure ignorance or there was an agenda there. And um, I, I don't think that we are permitted to just make remake Jesus in the image that we would like. I mean, there's that song, I forget, it's a very famous song from, I think it was written back in the 30s, um, where, you know, different children see Jesus like they are, basically. Some see him lily white, um, you know, and however the child is. And there's something that, yes, children are going to imagine people sort of to be like them, um, just because of limited experience and stuff, but that doesn't mean that we should encourage them to uh, make make Jesus how they want him to be. Jesus is who he is. Yeah, it, this is definitely uh, an aspect of our depictions of Jesus. Uh, it should really appall us that Jesus became white. Uh, and and again, I mentioned that we're going to get into some history. Uh, the 
the depiction of the devil, uh, you know, that we often have, you know, the big nose devil and the, mm-hmm. you know, the very specific look that we have of the devil. It was without question meant to depict a Jewish a Jewish man, and I mean it was deeply rooted in anti-Semitism. Uh, but you know, and that's so ironically, you know, you have in the Middle Ages, you know, you have the devil becoming Jewish, and you have Jew- Jesus becoming, you know, a white dude, uh, and that's not helpful. And it and it was rooted in a sense of superiority of white people. Uh, people tend to depict Jesus as like them, which is really kind of the height of tribalism. Wouldn't you agree with that? That I mean, that's tribalism 101, <laughs> making Jesus yeah. like them. I mean, even like, yeah. I mean, even uh, Schweitzer, who's a liberal theologian, uh, that talked about how we make Jesus in our image. I think Schweitzer did that himself, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, this is what we're doing. We're making Jesus like us. Uh, that uh, if we depict him, though, I think this means we must remember he was a Middle Eastern Jewish man. I mean, that's just who he was. We have to accept yeah. that. So that's who he is. That's not even who he was, you know. I mean, his resurrected body is largely similar to his uh, body before this death. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's enough continuity there. Even, I mean, Jesus, when he was first raised, he was hidden from the eyes of those uh, the Emmaus disciples. But then their eyes were open to see him, and there was enough continuity there. I don't think he suddenly started looking, you know, uh, Swedish or whatever you were saying earlier. <laughs> Jesus, your hair, it's blonde. <laughs> Jesus, why are you eating little meatballs? <laughs> All right. The now is this always a clear cut or even a gospel level concern? You know, is this something that, you know, we should break away from our churches because they have images of Jesus in them? Or, you know, we should never talk unfriend on social media people who disagree with us on. And denounce them in the strongest possible terms. Uh, I would say no. And I think you would probably go for as far as your maybe prohibition of this or personal um, opposition uh, than I would. But um, I think it touches on how you put the Bible together, the Old and New Covenants. Uh, how do the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words apply to us under the New Covenant? And, and so there's no explicit command to not depict Jesus, though, I mean, you quoted the Second Commandment as well as other, I mean, it was clear. And if, if Israel got anything out of the exile, it was don't worship idols and not just the, the little statues, but don't have other gods. But there is no explicit command to not physically, you know, or make a drawing of the incarnation um, but it is something I think that's worthy of our consideration. We should be intentional about what we're doing and we're not doing. Um, and we've done an episode on the regulative principle before, like what what's the, what we do in our worship services. Um, how does the Bible address that and affect our families and those kinds of things? But you know, the fact that spirit-filled, wise, Bible-saturated saints of old objected to this does give me pause. Um, though I do think. It can be in a different category uh, than making an image specifically for the purpose of worshiping it and bowing down. And even I, I think folks in the Orthodox Church would say that, no, they're not worshiping the icons. They're using the icon as an aid to worship, which it's a fine line of distinction. All you, you know, bowing down or caressing it and things like that, the natural, impl- the nat- the natural conclusion would be, oh, they're worshiping those statues or those yeah. paintings or whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I don't think this is, it's a gospel level concern. No. And, and even as, you know, for me, uh, I'm not comfortable with this personally. This is an area where I'm convicted personally. Uh, and perhaps I want listeners to think maybe what you should be convicted personally, perhaps based on your reading of scripture. You should think about it, but I'm not comfortable dividing at any level on this. You know, I'm not comfortable with dividing from leadership on a church on this. I'm not comfortable dividing from a church on this or dividing, you know, a denomination or being a Christian. Uh, but, I think we must, um, I think most in this area have, frankly, good intentions. And we need to realize that. We're called to assume good motives. I think most people who depict Jesus or most people that go the other extreme tend to have good intentions in doing so. You know, even uh, my in-laws are big supporters of the Jesus film, uh, which I, my conclusion probably wouldn't let me support them as much financially as they would. Uh, but there's a reason for the Jesus film. You know, I understand why people are doing it. And I think it's beautiful, their desire and their efforts. And we should affirm that. Uh, and, you know, even those who make a bigger deal out of it and I think you and I would agree we should. Uh, I know some, you know, there are some branches of Presbyterianism that would make this a really big deal, but even them, I think they're sometimes really splitting hairs on this, you know. The, you know, you don't show Jesus, but you do show a cross, and maybe you show a shadow of Jesus, and it's like, you know, I mean. Yeah, you can, it can get into sort of straining out the, the gnat kind of thing, like the pharisaical uh, regulations. Have you noticed that, you know, aside from the, the visual representation of Jesus, that those biblical movies, they almost always have British accents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I remember we were talking about that with Simon Camilleri and how he was saying, oh, because, you know, they did that thing with Job, the the, the dramatic mm-hmm. presentation of Job. And he's like, well, we did have a, an American woman play the role of Satan, so that was kind of appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What do you think of popular depictions of Jesus that go kind of beyond this and add to the biblical story? Uh, you know, we can think of with this, I mean, think of the chosen. We can think of some storybook Bibles that kind of, you know, create image. I mean, you think of the pictures of Jesus, you know, ha- uh, that giving a hug to a president of the United States or scoring a slam dunk. <laughs> Oh, one of those in particular just made me laugh. Um, yes, uh, I think personally, I think that they can be used with some level of caution. Um, I mean, I've I've been reading them with my children or in other settings, and I've noted ones that are obviously inaccurate. And there's some some. To me, very good Bible story books that we own, we've used in our home, and I've commended to others that the the text is is very good, theologically sound. It focuses on Christ; it's not moralistic. Though the the images of Jesus, I would say, are pretty far from the mark of what Jesus, you know, the man, the Jesus of Nazareth, probably actually looks like. Um, he's got kind of reddish hair in one of them. I can think of. There's another where he's got kind of a light brown. Um, but again, I mean, they're very good, uh, I think, from the story standpoint. And so, I mean, sometimes I've pointed it out to my yeah. kids. But uh, I know some, I think you told me about maybe, where they just don't show his face. You see that there's a man there, just the, the angle. Um, I personally think they can be used, though they don't have to be used. 
Yeah. So, so where, I, where do you land on this? So I would say, you know, beyond e- even depictions of him, beyond even the physical, like what he looks like, uh, I, I think of depictions of Jesus that add the biblical story, like, you know, add stories about Jesus. Specifically, I mean, that the show that's popular, that kind of really uh, gave me some reason on thinking about this issue, uh, The Chosen. You know, I've watched a little bit of it, but I'm not comfortable even myself watching much of it. Uh, this is kind of an evangelistic show that uh, kind of personalizes Jesus, kind of, they say, add kind of a focus on his humanity, which I question whether or not uh, that we that we are as wise as the biblical writers and being able to emphasize sufficiently his humanity versus his divinity. Uh, but I'm really uncomfortable with any anything told about Jesus that's you know a story about him that's not mentioned specifically in the Bible. I even get you know there's a passage you know the he's of that sin throw a first stone in, in the Gospel of John that I mean uh-huh. most theologians think was added and I would not preach that because you know it almost definitely was not an original story that we know actually happened for sure. So, uh, but you know, with shows like the chosen, for example, that, you know, make, make up stories, make up, you know, really have, you know, even fun and silly stories of Jesus. I think good intentions note in the gate that if you add or embellish a story of Jesus, you are making Jesus more like you. I mean, you just are doing that or you're at least overemphasize or you're emphasizing what you value about Jesus. Uh, I mean, that's just what you're going to do. I mean, nobody does it against what they think about, you know, people read their values, their, you know, uh, their presuppositions into these things. Uh, and there are, these are, uh, I think, worse degrees of that problem. You know, I, I would be more comfortable with, you know, a fiction of a biblical event of Jesus, a picture of that in the kid's wing, than I would be comfortable with something that, you know, includes something he didn't do, you know, uh, you know, maybe a time where, you know, again, the picture with a president or slam dunking Jesus. I'm definitely less comfortable with those things and pictures of what he actually did on stained glass. Uh, but I, I think God does work in attempts to get the gospel out, uh, as in cases like almost all of these try to do. Uh, but I think one of the reasons why people uh, cite these like the chosen is, you know, they feel like we need them for evangelism, but God doesn't actually need our clever methods. And I think we need to remember that when we think about these kinds of things. Yeah. I mean, there's an emphasis in the old and the new Testament on uh, hearing the word of God and trusting it, saying, God, you're telling the truth. And now when Jesus was in the days of his flesh, he was there, a body in front of them. And so, I mean, I, I've, I think it's folks in the Orthodox Church who would say that, you know, to, to not use icons is to basically deny the incarnation. Now, I think that may be taking it too far, but there is something to be said for that. Like, I don't know that it would have been sinful if there was some guy, you know, there at the feeding of the 5,000 that day who liked to draw, who happened to sketch a picture of what happened. Um, I, I don't think, but I, I could be wrong. So there yeah. is something to the fact that Jesus took on flesh, but I think it, we have to approach it carefully and give it thought. Yeah. So how might, you know, with things like I mentioned, with like the chosen or, you know, the Jesus with the president stuff, how might embellishing these things, these stories of Jesus and our images, how might they create Jesus in our image, Ben? I think that we are in 
big danger of making Jesus just how we want, what we think is desirable or valuable individually or, or in our culture. So like a handsome Jesus or a buff Jesus, or he's got this, these features or doesn't have these features. Um, and so it makes, we kind of domesticate him for who he is and rather than him, just let him be who he is. Yeah. Well, I think when we give these depictions of Jesus beyond the Bible, especially when, you know, they are, they have a story with them, uh, we fail to realize things like, you know, Jesus, and Jesus talked about hell more than, you know, I am comfortable with, if I'm honest with myself. So I'm honestly tend to be comfortable with, yeah, I would never talk about hell as much. Jesus talked a lot about hell and almost, I mean, far more about hell than heaven. Uh, and almost always these stories, uh, when we add to the Bible, make it effectively less of a focus. You know, so if we were to, you know, include all of the tales of Jesus, uh, and then add, you know, all these cute depictions we give for kiddos or, you know, the, the chosen, uh, scenes that are beyond the Bible. I mean, you're going to get an emphasis that is, is quite different. And one specifically, almost definitely, you're not it's not going to hit the extent to which Jesus did talk about hell. Uh, you know, it's just something we have to grapple with, whether we are in favor of it or whatever we think. Uh, it's just who he was. Uh, and he is a man. And that's one thing, you know, that is stressed. I and mean, you mentioned even those in the Eastern Church, it's, it's accepting his humanity. But I think the gospel writers intentionally depicted a broad humanity. Uh, and we lose that when we add humanity human, uh, specific human likes or specific elements of quirks of personalities, which the Bible doesn't, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, what was his favorite game to play. And I think he, I think in a lot of ways, the Bible seems to not do that because, you know, he, it presents him then as, uh, you know, as really broad humanity, you know, he's not, you know, he's not man in the sense of like that man. He, he is man and the essence of humanity. Uh, and those in the early church most committed to a right understanding of humanity rejected it is another important thing to understand. And, you know, cause that, I think that's interesting because a lot of people, you know, feel like, Oh, you know, if you don't like these depictions of Jesus beyond the Bible, well, you know, you have, we have to see the humanity of Jesus. Jesus. And the early church really understood this well in ways that we often did not. I mean, they did a great job in the first few centuries of making clear the humanity of Jesus and divinity of Jesus. And yet they were some of the ones who rejected giving any kind of depiction of him whatsoever. Uh, and lastly, I'll add to this, you know, how these kind of create Jesus. This isn't a Jesus story, but the, there was a time where I was actually in a Sunday school and it was right after that Noah movie. Do you know when the big budget Noah movie came out? Oh, and it had Russell Crowe in yeah, there or something? Yeah, yeah. So, I heard it was pretty far out there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, somebody, there was like these rock monsters in it. It was really weird. And uh, there was somebody in a Sunday school I was in, a Sunday school Bible study, had, uh, we were kind of going through the story of Noah, and they had uh, wanted to make sure it's clear uh, that we don't forget about these rock monsters that were there and all of this stuff that was overtly, you know, added to the story. Uh, and, you know, it really impacted the worldview in a way that I think that people really, uh, that some people that aren't as educated in the Bible have a harder time parsing out. So these definitely make Jesus into our image and, and impact our evaluation of the Bible. Mm. Good. 
Now, how do we teach our children that Jesus of Scripture is really enough? Well, I think we want to emphasize what Scripture itself emphasizes and not spend so much time speculating on things that it doesn't. I mean, I, I quoted Calvin earlier, but he said something about, you know, where Scripture speaks, we should listen, and where Scripture doesn't speak, we should basically shut up. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think there is something to that. And so, I mean, it was always said throughout that the Bible doesn't make it a, a point of emphasis to to highlight Jesus's appearance. And yes, he was a real man, with as you're just saying, and as the, the early church affirmed. He was fully man, but we don't need to get into the, the question of the length of his fingernails or how he wore his hair to understand who he was, what he came to do for us. And so making much of that um, and highlighting, say, this is what God said uh, that we need for, for life and for godliness, and uh, let's, let's pay attention to that rather than the things that might satisfy our curiosities. I don't think I have much to add to that. That's a good word, so— so with us all said, should we throw away any kind of Christian resources that have a painting of Jesus in them or some kind of artistic interpretation of Jesus? Should we just get rid of all that stuff? Is that a fire you have behind you there, Tony? <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, in my opinion, that's not necessary. Um, but I don't know. You may disagree. I, I mean, I'm not going out there. I'm not going to... Um, you know, make a statue of Jesus in the, uh, our children's ministry area or out in front of our building or something like that. But I, I don't think that that's what faithfulness requires. But you may disagree with me. I do not, actually. So, you know, I, as much as I think what I think, uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible, you know, it has a lot of uh, artistic presentations of Jesus. I think almost entirely it's presenting him from how the Bible presents him. Uh, and I still love Jesus Storybook Bible. We're going to still have it in our household. We're going to still give it away to people. Uh, and just because I disagree with it on this aspect. And I think that's how we should kind of process this to a degree. And, and we should never raise our kids to be unnecessarily divisive. And I think that's one of the dangers that we have in this. I mean, you know, I know that, I know some Christians, for example, that, uh, would have similar views on me. I, I'm very conservative in a certain line on theology. Uh, and they would take the same theology, but kind of make what's not essential and effectively essential. And I think that's foolish and it damages our kids too. Uh, but I would be, I would be comfortable weighing it in my choices in the sense that, you know, if all things are being equal, yeah, I mean, I might buy the one, and I'll bring that up in the end here, one that doesn't depict Jesus physically. But beyond that, I think it's foolish to make a bigger deal of it than that. Should our children's wings have the Jesus mur murals everywhere, Ben? <laughs> um, that would be really expensive, though I, I have seen it before. Um, but the, the touchdown Jesus statues, those are... You know, might want to consider that. I, I certainly wouldn't advocate it or budget for it, but um, I mean, I'm not going to go decry the church that does it. But I, I don't know that would be the best use of your your resources. Yeah, I would agree with you. I I think in general, you know, if any children's ministry workers or members that are part of the decision on building, I, I would encourage you don't have you know the big jesus murals especially ones that are beyond scripture but don't leave over it seriously don't leave over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah really. uh and if we do have these kind of things uh 
I think in general, there's wisdom in using what I, I'll call the stained glass approach uh, of really, you know, you'll see these stained glass depictions of Jesus or biblical stories, and they're almost always just Bible stories. And, and I think that if you're going, if you want to have a depiction of Jesus, just do it that way. Uh, and if you do so, uh, if possible, really do them as accurately as you can. Again, we don't know exactly his height, uh, but, you know, use depictions of Jesus in keeping with a Middle Eastern man that lived in the first century. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. So if we do welcome depictions of Jesus, how do we ensure we are doing so accurately? It's a good question and a hard question, and you may not always be able to to do that. Um, I think one thing, unless you're just producing all of your own material and all of your own artwork and all of that, which most churches can't, even really big ones, I think maybe you, what you may have to do is to point out when it's probably inaccurate. Well, you know, it is worth pointing out, kids, or I guess as kids is really the, the um, who you're going to be targeting. But you could have, you know, middle schoolers, even high schoolers, say they're very new to the the church scene and just pointing out Jesus probably didn't look like this. You know, I've known this pictures here in this material probably didn't look like that. Let's just think about this for a minute. But I mean, I know just in recently we've been reading the the Jesus Storybook Bible with my son. He's four, and he's asked a couple of times. He's like, "Which one's God?" And I don't know if that's he's wondering the actual presentation, physical, you know, presentation of of God, or is he? So he, he knows that Jesus is God, and so he's, he's just referring to him as God or, or what that is. But whatever, I mean, it, it, those four-year-old wheels are turning, and he is trying to make sense of this. And so, I mean, it's possible that he'll have this image of Jesus or of God as this sort of redheaded, short, curly-haired, you know, person, um, which is probably not accurate. So I think that that's something that the factors in. I don't really know. I don't think I have great words on how we can do so accurately again, unless you want to draw the pictures. Uh, so I don't know, Tony, you're going to start a new ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I just think in general to the best that, you know, volunteers can just be aware of scholarly work of what first century Jews look like. Uh, and beyond that, even more important, please just please do not depict Jesus as American heroes. You know, just don't do it. It's never going to work out well. <laughs> so, uh, and how do we teach children to discern the images of Jesus from the real ones, which is kind of uh, relevant to what you brought up with your son? Well, I alluded to this earlier, but is it First Peter or Second Peter? I can't remember where it says that everything that we need, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. I think it's Second Peter. Yeah, Second Peter. Um, yeah, Second Peter 1. And so what we need to know about Jesus is written in Scripture. And what we need to know to be saved by him, to, to have union with him, to be transformed into his image. The image is not so much that we're all going to look exactly like Jesus physically, is that our character will be looked will be shaped to be like his. And so um, we just teach them to to go to Scripture over and over. And, it, you know, that may become more of a pressing thing. I mean, children like pictures and, and vivid art. And we live in a very increasingly visual society. Uh, you got to have a video and a graphic for this and that. And, I mean, I've been to places where they have televisions, um, you know, in the bathrooms. And we just... 
Well, and what gets me is when you go to a fast food place and they have TVs for menus now. <laughs> I, it's just like all you're doing is scrolling through and showing me exactly the things. Why can't you just keep – actually, it's kind of annoying. I just want to – I want to keep looking at the same thing and not have to wait for it to come back around. Um, but you know, just the visual representation, um, visual medium – uh, or media are so prevalent. So it may be something that we continually have to, to press into, um, but to press them into, to trust what God has said. You don't have to, to see exactly what it looks like to trust him. That's good. So, yeah, I, I just add to that, you know, help them to be Bereans, you know, those who dig into the word of God, uh, as we've emphasized before, uh, with those kind of things, you know, that I think that's going to be the best way they can discern the images of Jesus, you know, the stories that are on the chosen, for example, from, from the, what, who the real Jesus was, uh, and then encourage them to recognize their sinful inclinations to want what's like them. Uh, and because I, I mean, that, I think that's ultimately why we associate with Jesus is that's like us. That's why, you know, uh, you know, you don't have, you know, Asian America, you don't have Asian communities randomly having Jesus look, you know, I don't know, like he's from, um, I don't, Honduras or something like that. Uh, you tend to, you know, if you wrongly depict Jesus, you depict him like yourself. And so I think we should raise our kids to recognize that we are tend to have the sinful inclination to want what's like us. Uh, and that's a good way to fight mm-hmm. against that. So, but last question for us, Ben, on this topic is: What are some resources that are more careful about depicting Jesus that we can use today? You know, I can't say that I know of specific ones. Um, yeah, I really don't have a good good place to send you. How about? I mean, maybe you've investigated this more. Yeah. So I think for older, you know, this would be more relevant to teens then it would be relevant to, uh, you know, little kids. But uh, Knowing God, which is a fantastic book, uh, has a whole has a little section on that, and I think it helps Christians think through this. Uh, just fantastic. We're knowing God by J.A. Packer. Uh, and then the other which resource— Which is it's good for a lot more stuff than that, too. But. It is, yeah. It's great in general. So there's like 2% of the book, for the record. Uh, it's like the two percent that's most controversial about the book, <laughs> and uh, the uh, and then I'll add to that. Kevin Young has a storybook Bible where he very intentionally, and the illustration process does not have a physical depiction to Jesus. They'll have things like uh, I think at one point there's like the bottom of a foot or something like that. It's you know it is intentionally extraordinarily vague, uh, and that's called the biggest story. And there's even a DVD thing for it, uh, and, it, and they try to keep that kind of mentality. And I know that it was extraordinarily intentional that they would not have Jesus depicted in as overt ways as is commonly done. Yeah, okay, that's the one that I remember you telling me about before. And actually, I just thought about this. I, I was reviewing this earlier. I didn't read the whole uh, thing, reread it. I've read it before. But in book one of Calvin's Institutes, if you've got a copy of that, you can get it cheap or free on Kindle may not be a great, uh, addition, but, uh, in what is it? Book, uh, yeah. Book one, chapter 11, he goes kind of at length to, to deal with this. And so that's some kind of funny things at times. And, you know, I mean, it's typical of people of that era. Uh, he wasn't quite as bad as Luther, but you know, had some strong words about it, but, uh, it may be just something to get you thinking about and go, Oh, I never really, even consider that perspective before. 
Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, I think uh, Calvin's Institutes are great reading for uh, very young kids, you know. Uh, maybe read it to your, like, <laughs> toddlers even. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> it's great, though. <laughs> so. Anyway, well, it was uh, good uh, talking to you about uh, images of Jesus, and I'm glad that we're able to do this while we can see images of one another. Uh, even It was not, appropriate that this first time in a while. Yeah, and it's not the real thing, but it's an image, so. Anyway, so, well, you have a good day, Ben, and I look forward to talking to you later. So, God bless. Sounds good. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.